there's a real problem if we claim to have faith in Jesus, but our lives don't reflect that in any way. As we saw last week, real faith will always impact how we live. If we are in a life-changing relationship with God through our faith in Jesus, then this starts a process of transformation in each of our lives. It's not complete in any of us. So none of us are anywhere close to being perfect. But this process will continue throughout our lives until we see Jesus face to face. And unlike that guy in that video, this transformation was obvious in the lives of the believers in the church in Thessalonica. Last week we thought about this, how Paul wrote that in his prayers he remembered your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. But how did that happen? How did these people, living in a pagan city, surrounded by immorality and idolatry, come into this life-changing relationship with God? Well, in this next section, we're going to see that this happened through the transforming power of the Gospel. So we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians again. Chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 4 down to verse 10. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our Gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom you raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The process of transformation in these believers' life did not start when Paul visited this, these people on his second missionary journey. It started way before that. Paul says in verse 4 that he, God, has chosen you. Now I know the idea that God chooses or elects some to be part of his family, it causes all sorts of problems and challenges. We struggle to get our head around this. We battle over what it really means. 
And we wonder how we should apply this truth. But this is the truth that is taught right throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, Moses said to the people of Israel, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Israel were God's chosen people. And in the New Testament, the church is described in the same way. As we saw in uh, the Gospel of John, this is what Jesus taught. He said in John chapter 15, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. And so, if you have trusted in Jesus today, then you can rejoice That as Peter writes, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is an amazing truth that should encourage us and give us such confidence and assurance today, before the creation of this world, way back in eternity, God chose us to belong to Him, to know Him, to live with Him, to live for Him, and to bring Him glory. But why? Why did God choose Israel to be his people? Why did God choose these believers to be part of his church? Why did God choose us to be united with him? Well, it wasn't because we are anything special. Paul made that really clear to the church in Corinth when he wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God chose the foolish things of this world. To shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world. To shame the strong. God chose the the lowly things of this world. And the despised things. And the things that are not. To nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. God's election. God's choice of his people. Is never a reason for pride or for boasting. It isn't based on anything that we have done or would do. It's not because we were more open to trusting in Jesus than somebody else. It's not because we would choose Him later. It's not because of us. It's only because of Him. Moses told the people of Israel... The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. It was because the Lord loved you. God didn't choose them because of their strength or because of their resources or because of their commitment. 
He simply chose them because he loved them. This is what Paul declared here in this letter to the Thessalonians. They were chosen by God because they were loved by God. This is the ultimate reason why these people were part of that community of God's people. It wasn't based on anything that they would do or had done. It wasn't because they were better or more valuable than the others. It was simply because God's love for them. And that is the truth that should humble us today. And fill us with such gratitude and awe and worship. God chose us to belong to Him because He loves us. Not because we were lovable, but because He is love. This morning, if you've trusted in Jesus, God has loved you from before this world began. And God has chosen you to belong to Him. So this life-changing relationship with God started with God's choice. But that didn't mean that Paul's ministry in Thessalonica was unnecessary. In fact, Paul said that he only knew that God had chosen them because, verse 4, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Election does not mean that evangelism is unnecessary. Rather, it makes it indispensable. It is only through the preaching of the gospel can God's hidden choice of his people be revealed and become a reality in people's lives. But again, Paul was was careful not to take the credit for this. He knew that his ministry was absolutely essential in the city of Thessalonica for people to come to faith in him. The gospel came to them through his words. The preaching of the gospel is essential if people are going to come to faith in Christ. Paul says this in Romans chapter 10. He says this, How can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So the preaching of the gospel is absolutely Essential. But Paul also knew that on his own, he could achieve nothing. In his own strength, he could save nobody. If people were going to come to Christ, the gospel must not just come with his words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit, 
and with deep conviction. This is what God does when God's people faithfully proclaim the gospel. It's God who works in power to break down the barriers of somebody's heart. It's God who convicts people of their sinfulness and their need of their Saviour. It's God by His Holy Spirit who opens blind eyes, who brings people to faith in Christ, who brings them into a new life with Christ. This is why we can confidently share the gospel. Not because we're confident in our own ability to convince people, but because, like Paul, we can say, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. But these Thessalonians were not just transformed through Paul's convicting message. They were also impacted by Paul's consistent life. See that in verse 5? Paul says, You know how we lived among you for your sake. Paul did not just preach with words. He also preached with his life. Now that did not mean that he lived a perfectly obedient life. Because after all, the gospel is not that Paul became some kind of sinless saint and just wandered around him without ever making a mistake. That, that wasn't his message. What this meant was that Paul lived a transformed life. People could look at Paul and see that he had been changed by Jesus. They could see the evidence of his faith in Jesus, the one that he used to reject. People could look at Paul and see the reality of a supernatural love, even for the Gentiles, the ones he used to hate. And people could look at Paul and see an endurance and a courage that came from his hope in Christ, even in the face of intense suffering. Paul lived a life that was consistent with the gospel. Now, of course, Paul would not take any credit for this. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I am the least of the apostles. And don't deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. How we live is an essential part of what we preach. We need to live a life that is consistent with the message that we share. The message about God's love and God's grace for sinners. I think it's one of the reasons why sharing the gospel is so challenging. Because it's not just about what we say when we're kind of doing evangelism. 
You know, we go out, do evangelism, and then come back and that's us done. That's not what it's about. It's also about how we live the rest of our lives. It's about our attitude and it's about our actions. It's about how we speak to people and how we treat them. It's about what we do when people hurt us or we make a mess of it and hurt our others. It's about how we respond when things go really well in our life and when things go really badly in our life. It's about our lifestyle. It's about our priorities. It's about our ambitions. This is absolutely essential. If people's lives are going to be transformed, then we need to share the convicting message of the Gospel and live a life that is consistent with it. But thirdly, this life-changing relationship didn't just require God's choice and Paul's preaching. It also required the Thessalonians to respond by trusting in God's Son. Paul said here, verse 6, you welcomed the message. The welcoming of this message was both with repentance and faith. They repented and they put their faith in Jesus. Look at verse 9. Paul said, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Many of these Christians used to be caught up in the idolatry that was rife in this city. But they'd turned from the many false and lifeless gods that people in that city had just created and just made. And instead they turned to serve the living and the true God, the eternal God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And of course in our day, there are still many people who superstitiously still Pray to lifeless idols. But I think there are even more who trust in more sophisticated idols. More sophisticated God substitutes in their lives. People serve the, the false God of money or power or sex or family or career, or sport, or entertainment, or alcohol, or possessions. But if we want to experience a life-changing relationship with God, we need to repent of this. We need to turn from trusting in all of those false gods for our significance or our security or our satisfaction. And instead we need to turn to the true and living God and accept Him as our Lord and commit our lives to living for Him. But we don't just need to repent 
We also need to put our faith in Jesus. These Thessalonians, they turn to God, verse 10, to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The message that these Thessalonians welcomed was a message all about Jesus. Just look at how Paul talked about Jesus just in this little chapter that we've read. So he declared Jesus, verse 10, to be the Son of God. The one who is equal with the Father. Verse 3, he is the Christ. The Anointed One, God's Chosen King. Verse 6, He is the Lord. He is the one who, who has the right to rule in our lives. Verse 10 again, He is the Risen One. He is the one who died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day to declare His identity and His victory over sin and death and hell. Verse 10 again, He is the Saviour. The one who can rescue us from God's wrath. His righteous anger. Which we all deserve to suffer. Because of our sin. But verse 10, he's also the coming one. He's the one who's coming again. To take all who have trusted in him. To be with him forever in heaven. This is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus. And these Thessalonians, they experienced his salvation when they welcomed this message. They accepted the truth of the gospel. They believed that Jesus was the eternal Son of God who left heaven to come to earth, to become fully human, to live a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death, to rise again, to ascend to heaven and to come back again as King. But they did more than just accept that as a truth. They trusted in Jesus as their Savior. They put their faith in Him. Paul spoke here about your faith in God. That's why they were eagerly waiting for Jesus to return. They knew He was coming back for them because they were trusting in Him. And this faith was real. This faith was real because it transformed their lives. See what Paul wrote about in verse 6? He said, you became imitators of us and the Lord. They followed the example, the lifestyle, the teaching of Paul and Silas and Timothy. As they also followed the example of of Jesus. They were not saved by what they did. But the vitality of their faith was demonstrated by what they did. 
And the result of this was incredible joy. Even in the midst of intense suffering, these believers were able to rejoice. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And that was in spite of their severe suffering. This is the joy that Jesus alone can give. It's not based on circumstances or comfort or ease. Rather, it's a gift of God. A gift that nothing and no one can ever take away from us. It's a joy of knowing that we've been fully forgiven. That we've been declared righteous in God's sight. We've been adopted as God's children. And that nothing and no one can ever separate us from God's love. So today, have you experienced that transformation? Do you have the joy of His salvation in your life? Have you repented and trusted in Jesus? Are you eagerly waiting for His return to take you to be with Him forever? If not, today. And why not? Why not trust in Him today? Put your faith in Him, just as you are, where you are. Put your faith in Him and receive that gift. But if you have received that gift, then like these Thessalonians, we need to go public with this. We can't keep it to ourselves. These Thessalonians didn't just put their faith in God's Son. They were also involved in building God's kingdom. See, in verse 7, they were a model to the church. Verse 7, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Other Christians in the parts of, of Macedonia, where they lived, and Achaia, the province to the south. They looked at this church and they were inspired and they were encouraged to follow their example. This church had been impacted by the example of Paul and Silas and Timothy as they had been impacted by the example of Jesus. And now other people were impacted by their example. But this went even further than just the, the area around them. Verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. These believers did not just welcome the gospel of Jesus. They, just, they didn't just believe in it. They echoed it. They passed it on. They were like an amplifier or like a, a relay station. Paul's message reverberated from them out into the world. Of course, when Paul says everywhere, it sounds a bit like hyperbole. Surely it couldn't be everywhere. 
But the impact of this church is still spreading throughout the world. Today we are reading about them. People are still hearing the gospel and being impacted by their acceptance of it and their faith in Jesus. And this is God's plan for each and every one of his people. True disciples of Jesus are also disciple makers. True disciples of Jesus are also disciple makers. Of course, we're not all called to have the same role or same ministry. We're not all called to reach out to the same people or in the same way. But if we are living for Jesus, then we are called to impact the lives of those around us. Jesus said to us, you are the light of this world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So this is the transforming power of the gospel. It starts with God's choice. His election of His people in love. But this choice is revealed when, through the preaching of God's of the the gospel, in God's power, people respond by trusting in God's Son. And this so transforms their lives that the gospel flows out through them and from them to continue the building of God's people. That's the transforming power of the gospel. Have you experienced this? Are we living this? Do we need to let the gospel again impact our hearts, transform our lives, and send us out with renewed commitment and joy to share it with those around us? Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you We do thank you for this wonderful gospel. We thank you and praise you for the reality of it. Thank you, Father, for Jesus coming down from heaven to earth to become our Savior, to be the one who would die on the cross for our sins, to pay the price in full so that we could be fully forgiven, fully accepted, fully welcomed into your family, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who has not yet trusted in you, Lord, I pray that you would give them that gift of faith. That they would repent of living their life their own way, trusting in themselves or those around them or of false gods. And they would turn to you and receive that gift from you. And for us who have trusted in Jesus, then Lord, I pray that this truth would sink down deep in our hearts and would impact us again. And continue this, this, this process of transforming our lives. That we might be increasingly effective in, 
in sharing this gospel with those around us, Lord. That we might see people who are lost and heading to a lost eternity be saved from the coming wrath. Lord, we just pray that you would come and you would work in our lives again. That you would transform each and every one of us through the power of the glorious gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.